This is Study Sessions, brought to you by Sex Ed Debunked. In these mini-sodes, we'll discuss a myth suggested to us by listeners like you. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Sex Ed Debunked to suggest new myths, provide your own show notes, and give us ideas for what to talk about next. Now take some notes. The study group is in session. Hi, and welcome to Study Sessions, our bi-weekly episode where we talk about questions and topics brought to us by our Sex Ed Debunked listeners. On this week's study session, we're joined by Caitlin Pitcher, a recurring Sex Ed Debunked guest, to learn about asexuality because International Asexuality Day is coming up on April 6th. Welcome back to the show, Caitlin. Thank you so much for having me again. So a few weeks ago, we did an episode with you unpacking some of the myths around asexuality. Um, but we thought that this study session would be a good opportunity to really define some of the terms around asexuality and also some of like the emerging terms about sex and sexuality because, man, there's a lot of them. There is. There's <laughs> a lot. It, it changes pretty often, both obviously within the community. And of course, the research is always a little bit behind. But um, the reality of queer research as a field is constantly changing and in flux. Right. I mean, you and, and my mom here are in queer, like are in the sexuality field and, and you can't keep up with all the terms. I'm in the LGBT community and I can't keep up with all the terms. So like God help anyone else outside of this room. So, so the study <laughs> session, today's study session is literally for today. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Don't listen to this episode tomorrow. Otherwise <laughs> it won't be accurate anymore. But we're going to go through some uh, sexual identities and orientations and some terminology so that People who have heard stuff on, you know, television, media, seen it on the internet, will at least be able to respond to friends and family and be the more knowledgeable people in the room, so to speak. So without further ado, we're going to do our own version of Urban Dictionary. Um, <laughs> but let's start with, with the inspiration here. So can you define asexual for us? Yeah, so asexuality is a sexual identity wherein someone does not experience uh, sexual attraction to any gender, um, so just lack of interest in anyone regardless of gender. And that's it? Yeah, that's it. it. It's pretty simple. Okay, so, so is the is the term allosexual the opposite of asexual? Yeah, so the term allosexual is what we use to describe just non-asexual folks. Um, so allosexual people could just be straight people. Um, it can also include other members of the queer community who are not asexual. So allosexual is this big, huge umbrella term. Just anyone so who experiences sexual attraction. Where so, does the aloe come from, like etymologically? I'm really not sure. Um, I've seen it used similarly with other terms as well that start with an A. I'm assuming it's either Greek or Latin, but I took Latin in high school and I can't think of what aloe would be. Um, okay. So We're just going to take the shortcut and say it stands for all. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. We'll <laughs> say that. Everything else. Well, we're already off to a great start with our education here. <laughs> we'll have a caveat. We'll put in. We'll put in a little clip. To <laughs> Don't listen to us. <laughs> Next. So another term that I think is more of a medical term is hyposexual and hypersexual. Those two terms we hear sometimes. Probably yes. hypersexual more we hear, but what? Yeah. So so give them both. Yeah, so hypersexual is, um, I believe that this is less of my my research field, someone who's like experiencing very high levels of like sexual behavior and sexual interest and drive, mm -hmm. I think to a distressing degree is what it's considered. Mm -hmm. Got it. 
Yeah. Um, and then hyposexuality is a term that we often hear in reference to asexuality, um, though they are very distinct experiences. Hyposexuality is the distressing experience of a lack of attraction, um, lack of sexual attraction, and is very often uh, like linked to some kind of physical or mental illness or a traumatic experience or the start of like a new medication. Um, so the two are often kind of wrongly conflated. Um, kind of the assumption that some people make is that, you know, all asexual people just have something wrong with them and they're just hyposexual. Um, the big distinction here when it comes to the experience is that for asexual people, this lack of attraction, it's not distressing to us. It's just kind of our regular experience. Uh, whereas hyposexuality by definition has to be a distressing experience. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, you know, uh, if someone doesn't drink because they don't like to drink alcohol, they're not an alcoholic. They just don't like to drink. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's no like automatic trauma linkage there. For some of us, it just doesn't matter. For others, that lack of interest can be a product of one thing or another. Got it. So how about the term that I've been seeing, uh, demisexual? Yeah, so we use the term demisexual in reference to kind of the spectrum between asexual people and allosexual people. So asexual people don't experience sexual attraction. Allosexual people experience sexual attraction for a variety of different genders, depending on the specific identity. Demisexual folks in particular uh, generally report only experiencing sexual attraction after a very strong, like, emotional romantic bond has been established. Um, and even then, a, like, romantic... Uh, deep relationship does not automatically mean that that attraction will kick on. Um, so demisexual folks technically don't fit like the super specific definition of asexual. Um, but, you know, the kind of name of the game in queer research is nuance. Um, and so they're still considered part of the community because their experiences are very similar to those of asexual people. Um, another term that's kind of similar to demisexual is gray asexual. It's also kind of on that spectrum between asexual and allosexual, um, where gray asexual folks kind of very rarely experience sexual attraction, though it's not specifically linked to a specific relationship like demisexual is. Um, and it's kind of in a similar position of like, it's not quite the quite definition of asexual. Um, so it's kind of in that gray area, thus gray asexual. Uh-huh. Okay. So that leads to aromantic. Yeah. Right, so because romance is sort of a requirement for demisexual, right? Yes, exactly. Um, so many asexual people experience romantic attraction and desire romantic relationships. Um, but there are some people who are aromantic, meaning that they do not experience romantic attraction, have no desire for romantic relationships or romantic intimacy. Um, importantly, not all aromantic people are also asexual. There are like bisexual and pansexual and otherwise queer aromantic people. Um, but we seem to see more aromantic people in the ace community. Um, and though obviously we can oftentimes kind of have like opposite experiences from aromantic people, um, we are also kind of included under the same umbrella due to kind of similarities and that like lacking the thing that is present for other people. So how about some of the other um, sexual orientations that have become emerging in the last uh, maybe couple of decades? Uh, uh, pansexual. Ooh, like, yeah, I was going to say like pansexual. <laughs> yeah, I feel like... That's, um, recent. that's a more recent term. <laughs> yeah. Pansexual is, is a little bit newer, like newer as in it's uh, more recently used. Pansexuality is has a lot of similarities with bisexuality, um, but pansexuality generally uh, just references 
basically attraction regardless of gender. So for bisexual people, um, you know, it's attraction to two or more genders. For pansexual folks, it's also attraction to multiple genders. Um, but basically saying like a person's gender is not part of the equation when it comes to whether or not I'm attracted to them. That's interesting. When did like, sorry, this is probably going to sound like such an uneducated question, but the like bisexuality, the, the term, right? It, mm-hmm. It's basically two. Mm-hmm. So so when I guess did it start being understood that bisexuality included all genders? I mean, I think that there might still, I mean, there are definitely still bisexual people who would claim that it only applies to men and women. Um, but I mean, the bisexual community has been accepting of non-binary and otherwise trans folks for a pretty long time. But I think saying that bisexual is encompassing of all genders is a little bit newer. I can't think of the specific year, um, but I think that kind of widening that definition is a product of trying to be more inclusive of um, kind of the gender minority experience um, because many bisexual people are attracted to like non-binary folks or like gender fluid folks as well. Um, And so kind of expanding that uh, definition is an attempt to be more inclusive and also to just be a better descriptor of that experience. But I think there is still some confusion about what bi means too, um, which is why we tend to say like two or more. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, So I've seen a a term on um, dating sites and I'm wondering if this term has even been, is even a term that's researched at all. But the term that I've seen is sapiosexual, and I have not seen that as something that's considered like a researched orientation, but I'm wondering if you have any experience with that term. Yeah, so I've seen sapiosexual uh, mentioned like out in the world. I think I've seen one or two papers that mention it in relation to asexual experience, um, though it's not technically an asexual experience. Sapiosexual, if I'm remembering correctly, is like attraction to intellect, essentially. Um, so it's like that attraction to like whether someone is intelligent rather than like the way that they look. Um, I don't think that there's been a ton of research on it in the actual queer research space, um, but I know it's been mentioned once or twice. Yeah. I'm curious to see whether that is going to be um, seen as just an attraction and not necessarily an identity. It may just be describing the type of person that you're attracted to. Well, and, and the language is always changing. So it's, <laughs> like we said at the beginning, it's it's hard sometimes to know, like, are these labels even valuable? Which I guess is a question to pose to you, Caitlin, is are these labels useful? Do they have utility? Yeah, um, labels can be extremely useful. I think especially when we talk about the asexual community, um, regardless of whether someone is super out about their asexuality for a variety of reasons, knowing that asexuality is a thing that they and other people experience um, can be a really good thing. It, it gives us a chance to know that like we're not alone in this experience and there's nothing wrong with us. Um, so I think labels can have a ton of utility, um, but labels only have as much utility as we give them. Um, and in my opinion, um, Labels are useful until they're not. So if it gets to a point where, uh, you know, someone is kind of agonizing over which label works perfectly for them or like whether they're a good asexual or good bisexual, then it's no longer serving that utility. So it's kind of, as usual, a nuanced individualized basis. But I think as long as those labels are helping people find like-minded people who experience similar things and help queer folks, especially feel less alone, that utility is still there. 
Well said, Caitlin. It's really all about finding community and belongingness. Mm-hmm. So um, before we wrap up, are there any more terms that you think we should be discussing in this study session? On, I feel like, especially in relation to asexuality, we've covered the majority of the the big uh, kind of ace umbrella identities that I've seen. Ace, by the way, is a common shortening of the term asexual. Um, so if you hear that out and about, ace is often just short for asexual in this conversation. Thanks for clarifying that, because I've heard ace and it's in some in some developmental context, childhood development, it has a whole other different meaning. <laughs> so um, it's good to understand that that the community uses this term for a different reason. And NB, right, for non-binary, is that still a thing? Yes. Uh, yeah, talk about like minority gender identities. NB is still uh, commonly used as like a shortened version of non-binary. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we've covered a good amount of terms and hopefully um, our listeners can... Let us know if they want us to discuss others. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a, a a vast spectrum of terminology, just like there's a vast spectrum of identities and sexualities. So there's always room for us to keep learning and uh, keep creating our own dictionary over here. And, uh, you know, the one area that we haven't really covered, and maybe that, that'll be the subject for a, another study session, is the various terms within the um, ENM, consensual non-monogamy, and ethical non-monogamy umbrella. But I do think that, Shannon, that's probably something for another day. That sounds like something for a different day. I think so, right, Caitlin? I wanted to mention it so that people think that we forgot them. (laughs) Cool. Caitlin, thank you for joining us to help us with all of this terminology. And uh, we will give you another call next week when they all inevitably change again. Yes, I'd be happy to come back uh, and give more definitions in the future. Thank you again for having me. All right. That is our episode. That is our study session. We'll be back next week with a full length episode of Sex Ed Debunked. But in the meantime, send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you know, the socials um, at Sex Ed Debunked. And we'd love to hear from you. Have a good International Asexuality Awareness Day. April 6th. Woo! Sex Ed Debunked is produced by Trailblaze Media in Providence, Rhode Island. Our sound producer is Ezra Winters with production assistance from Shay Weintraub.